Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, myself, Nick, my younger brother, Nick Kradza, and Dave Butler from Butler Mortgages is here, and uh, are here, is here, are here, and uh, we go through refinancing. Uh, I'm surprised at how many questions we get around refinancing, probably take for granted how much stuff we've done over the years, and sometimes seasoned investors have some questions about refinancing, and I'm surprised they have those questions, so we brought in Dave so that we can go through and basically cover everything that comes to mind around, around refinancing property, primary place of residence properties, your investment properties, all the details, like what are the fees like, what, what monoline lenders do and don't do, do B lenders do? it, how do the appraisals work, you know, the credit scores required, how do you qualify for these things, home equity lines versus a straight up new mortgage refinance. So all of that kind of stuff is covered in this episode. And if you're listening to this and you like this kind of information, a lot of real estate stuff we cover on our YouTube channel as well. So if you want to check out our, what we call our rockstar minutes, and we actually now have a five or six part series on all different real estate investing stuff that we put up on YouTube, all the questions that we've got, we collected and Nick and I sat down and answered them all. You can get to our YouTube channel by just Googling up Rockstar Inner Circle YouTube or go to youtube.com and type in Rockstar Inner Circle or you can go to youtube.com forward slash Rockstar Inner Circle and you will get to our YouTube channel. And if you hit subscribe there, um, that would, we'd be forever grateful. We're uh, building up our YouTube um, and we're trying to offer another value to me to make it meaningful and important that you are uh, subscribed to that channel so you can check it out at youtube.com forward slash rockstar inner circle that's my youtube plug i'll get off my youtube high horse now and with that let's get on with the show are you ready to live life on your terms is it time to take charge real estate business building the economy health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live. So Dave, you can keep your radio voice going. Oh, by the way, Nick, can, I, you, can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Can you hear me okay? Hey, listen, Dave. Dave, we just started. When, when, Dave, does that, when do you think that actually gets old? I think it got old on this episode. Yeah. Like right now. <laughs> it just jumped the throat. Just jumped the throat. Uh, I think, uh, but uh, Dave, uh, Dave just went to radio voice. Dave was talking to us, and then all of a sudden we said we were going to hit record, and you went to radio. I have a complaint that my voice is too loud, so I, then I got to kind of Dude, you are it, totally in here. radio voice right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's Dave Butler and the Dave Butler Mortgage Show. It won't last. Listen, uh, so the, the goal of this episode is to talk refinances because it's astonishing to me how many people, and investors too, because I always think investors, if they've been investing for a while, they know everything. Um, they have no clue about refinancing properties. So I wanted to start off by going through, like, you know, make a little bit of a definitive guide to refinancing. Yep. Dave, you ready? Broad topic, yeah. I mean, you got how many hours we got? Yeah, I know. I know. Okay, <laughs> I just want to start with this. If you're listening to this, so um, to probably Nick, what percentage of investors do you think we work with? Or Dave, both of you guys, what percentage of investors in Canada? Not that even that we work, would you guess are buying investment properties by refinancing other properties, taking equity and using that equity to buy their first investment property because they refinance their primary place of residence or, you know, multiple investment properties 
where they're refinancing and taking the money? What percentage of investors are using I don't know. You, you would probably know. Yeah. I would, my guess would be, I'd say probably two-thirds to three-quarters at one point. So they, not necessarily first, but a property, I would say. I was going to say, yeah, you're f- the first rental, some like probably 60-75% are using their own, or are refinancing, so a small amount are using their own funds. By the time they're buying their second, third, fourth rental, it's almost like 90%, 95% are using funds from other properties that they have. Because that's how, when Nick and I were, like, I think Nick, late 20s and stuff, that's where we discovered kind of the holy grail. We're like, oh my gosh, we can like, there's equity in some of these investment properties. We can like, we can call somebody named Dave Butler and refinance <laughs> these things and pull out equity. Magically pull out beans to buy the yeah, next. Yeah, so it was can, probably no, it was probably Dave that told us <laughs> saying, "Hey, why don't you guys yeah. refinance? Because then I can get another commission." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got then, a lot of equity yeah, in here, yeah, yeah. so let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all okay. of a sudden, you guys were ten deep, no problem. It was, you know what? It was. I remember driving. I was still working at Netsuite at the time and refinancing a property. And Nick called me and said, "Hey, I met this guy." No one can refinance because I think this property was a student rental or something. And he's like, I met this guy. He's going to be able to refinance it. He's going to call you. He speaks quickly. And I already speak pretty (laughs) fast, but he speaks quickly. Don't be thrown off. Just answer his questions. I think he's going to get it done. And literally, like, I hung up with Nick. And a second later, the phone rang. It's Dave Butler. Tom, uh, can we get the documents over here? I think we can be able to do this. We're going to get an interest rate. I'll beat any interest rate. We're going to be the best interest rate. We'll refinance. You'll pull out the equity. You'll roll forward. I met your brother at Gold's Gym. And yeah, we're the best. And all right, see you later. (laughs) And then a couple weeks later, the deal closed. (laughs) It closed. (laughs) Pulled off a minor miracle. I think we were trying to, you know what? It was another student rental that we had by uh, York University. I've sold that property now. But uh, I I think it was was that one. My dad did that. I think your dad helped me out because I was trying to refinance that one for like 10 months. Couldn't figure out how to get it done. Anyway, so can you just describe for everyone what is a classic refinance? Just throw it out. Yeah, refinance. I mean, the very broad idea of it is that we are going to get access or we are going to take out equity that is sitting in one of our properties. So um, when I say get access to a lot of the refinances we've been doing lately for investors is we're pulling out um, some money, let's say, to purchase another one, but then we don't have that other property ready to go. So then we'll set up a home equity line of credit and then they'll then use the home equity line of credit down the road for the purchase of whatever that other one or multiple ones would be. The key I think with taking it out as a line of credit first and foremost is that you're not forced to use the money right away, right? So if I don't think I'm going to be buying my second or my third or my fourth rental, right, then obviously I don't need that money sitting in my bank through a refinance. So a lot of times we'll take it out with a home equity line of credit. But if I back up a little bit, refinance is basically we have a house. If it has a bunch of equity in it, we can get access to it or pull money out up to 80% loan to value of the house. So say we'll use easy math. I have a house. I think it's worth $500,000. The mortgage on it, let's say is $200,000. Well, 80% of $500,000, that's the maximum the bank will allow us up to. Well, that's 400. So if they're going to allow me access up to 400 and we only owe 200,000 on the mortgage, that means we've got 200,000 in equity that we can tap into. Now, do you, the question is now, do we take all that money? Let's say in this example, I'm giving you you know, do we go and we take a mortgage for 400, which means once we pay out the current mortgage of 200, they're going to, the, the lawyer is going to end up giving us $200,000 in our hands. Well, if we don't so you, have, because you'll still have a new mortgage of, we have a new mortgage of 400, of 400. Sorry. Yeah. You paid off the other one of yeah. 200, paid off 200, the other 200, 200 in your hands. Yeah. And now we have 200 in our hands. Well, what if you're an investor or, or if I'm an investor, I've got this 200 in my hands. What if I don't have another property to buy? What if I haven't found it yet? Well, remember, I'm now paying interest on that money that's that I've been given, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of a waste. Now, if I was to go and then imagine I do it a little differently, I take my mortgage of 200000 that I owe, 
and then I add a home equity line of credit to it for that other 80%, up to the 80%, which is the other 200. So now I keep my mortgage for 200, home equity line of credit now for 200. Right now, I have this home equity line of credit sitting at a balance of zero, but I can borrow up to 200,000. That's again, that's against the equity in my house. Now this just gives you time. You're not in a rush to go and find that investment property. You can take your time like the way we're supposed to be done. And then once you find it, you can then use that home equity line of credit as the down payment. The only is, difference it, is, sorry, I was going to say, no, go the only difference is when you, if, if let's say you're an investor and you came to me and you said, Dave, I've already bought a rental. I have a rental that's closing in like three months. Well, then of course, why would we want to take it out on the home equity line of credit? We could just take that money out as a refinance right away because we're going to be using it very quickly. Got Benefit it. to that, the mortgage rate is cheaper than the home equity line of credit rate, right? Home equity line of credit rate right now is ranging from 3.95 to 4.45. Mortgage rate is ranging from, as we know, what, 289, 299, 309, something like that. But and the on, interest uh, on the mortgage, when you take a mortgage versus a, a HELA, a home equity line of credit, you, the, the interest payment, yeah. because of the amortization table, yes. you end up paying Bigger. a lot more interest, yeah. right? Well, you Wh up, which is tax deductible. If you're yeah. using it for investment, it, it's tax deductible, but you got to yeah. consider that too. Because right? the home, amortized payment, exactly. Because the, the home equity line is going to be like a- Interest only payment. So that's, so that's one of the keys. So why a lot of people will prefer the home equity line is sure, the interest rate is slightly higher, but the payment each month is just the interest portion. So as an investor, it allows us to keep that payment small, which as we know, keeps our cash flow at the highest possible point. Yeah, right. I wonder in that math, we should have broken this out in advance. I wonder on your math and in, in your example, if the interest payment on that is lower than what an amortized mortgage of the same refinance would be. The mortgage, Do you know what I mean? Because it would be a lower would interest be rate. Would it be higher yeah, even though it's a so lower the, interest rate amortized yep. over 25 or 30 years? Mortgage payment will be higher, but remember, a mortgage payment is based on principal and interest. So you actually go and look in the interest portion. Yeah, no, God. The interest it. portion will actually be less than the interest portion on 4.45, but the payment is simply larger because the bank is forcing you to obviously pay off principal. It's probably not going to be that much larger. It's though. not that. I mean, it's it is larger though. I can tell you, I've okay. done them. When I do them, when I do a calculation for a client, a lot of Most times, of that's, times. That, their decision is based on what's the final payment going to be. So, you know, and then they'll come back. Ah, I want to go with the line of credit. But again, but you're if paying you, more. You're paying, I guess, because the rate's lower. The rate is lower, right? Think about it. The rate is lower. It's but actually significantly pay, you're lower. You're only paying the you're only paying the interest. I get. No, on the mortgage, you're paying the interest and the principal. No, the yeah. rate's lower, but interest and principal. Yeah, on the line of credit, the rate is higher, but you're just paying the interest per month. Yeah, and it's yeah, a, so, that's and what it's I'm a simple interest yeah. calculation. It's not amortized. Yeah, Sorry, that, that's what I meant. Correct. Which is why the line of credit overall, you pay less interest, even though the pay, I, I know I understand what you're saying about the payment. Yes, but I'm saying the actual interest portion because if you amortize, if you borrow again, you amortize. Over a, a, like a new mortgage, even if a hundred grand, mm -hmm. you take a hundred grand out. Put it over thirty the, years. The interest portion, uh, the amount of interest that you're going to pay. Yep. I guess it depends on how quickly exactly. you pay off. The, it depends the on the amortization. But in month one, you're paying more interest on the on the mortgage than you are on the line of credit, aren't no, you? Maybe no, not. not if it's amortized over thirty. If it's amortized over, imagine 30, you're on thirty okay, years. 30, then the interest portion would actually be smaller than. But you're right. I mean, imagine someone; it's their owner occupied house. They want to keep their mortgage on a ten year amortization. Then yeah, there would be a time where the payment on that, depending on the AM, okay, so would be larger than the ELA. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I gotcha. And then what about for someone listening to this who's thinking about possibly doing a refinance? Is it easier to qualify for a home equity line of credit as a way to extract equity? Or is it easier to requalify in a new mortgage? Or is these, it both exactly these days, the same? It's, I mean, I could get really technical here and say that depending on the institution that you have your current first mortgage with, um, they may qualify just in addition of a HELOC differently. I mean, but I would confuse the audience. So the main thing I would say is 
it's everything's on a stress so test formal. These days. I would confuse the <laughs> audience. For you audience members out there listening to this, we, we don't want confuse to confuse you. you. <laughs> um, confuse the audience. Uh, I, I would say that. Uh, um, Wow, you're gonna have to edit that. I just literally no, got dude, you're lost good. where we were. No, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> were we? It was uh, I lost it too. I was just thinking about the audience. So I, I had this vision told, of an auditorium so with Dave at the front in front of the audience. Hello, audience. I'm going to talk to you about. I mean, let's just change the subject just I didn't a, want to confuse a little them, bit. What, what about? We'll come back to. I'm sure we'll come sure. back to that point. But what about the penalties? Because if I have a five year term mortgage right now, it might be easier for me to do a HELOC or an equity line because I'm gonna have to to refinance. And if I'm only on th- three years or halfway through yep. uh, my mortgage i'm gonna have a penalty right and how yep. do you walk people through that is that just yeah, what i said you know well, it's you- a pretty standard um walkthrough if we want to call it that i mean the first thing is identifying on the property that you want to pull the equity out who's got the mortgage because whoever has the mortgage that's going to dictate whether you can even get access to a line of credit for example um, a lot of these non-major banks like let's throw out some names street capital um uh radius um, you know, a lot of these, uh, first national, uh, a lot of these lenders that if the mortgage is with that bank or that lender, they don't have a home equity line of credit product. So if the mortgage is sitting with a company that doesn't have a home equity line of credit product, then that option of adding a home equity line of credit with the existing lender is gone, which means doesn't mean we've lost the idea of getting a home equity line of credit it means that we will have to break the mortgage to then move that over to a lender that does allow either a mortgage and a home equity line of credit, right? There would then be a penalty there. Now, what's the penalty? Penalties on mortgages, believe it or not, it's, I can give you the easy, the easy kind of slang on it. It's, it's three months interest or interest rate differential, whichever is less. Now that is for, um, sorry, whichever which, is whichever, less. Sorry, whichever is more. Oh, well, that's a great. Uh, how many times have we we've been getting ripped off? Yeah, whichever okay. is more. Now, remember that's for fixed rates. So if you're sitting in a fixed rate mortgage and you want to break that mortgage at any time, it's three months interest or interest rate differential, whichever is more. Now, if you're in a five year term and you're like one or two years in, and the rates haven't changed that much, you're probably going to get hit with this IRD interest rate differential penalty. The main thing is you have to call the lender. They legally have to tell you what your penalty is, so you can call them and find out what it is. Now. If you're in a variable rate, it's just three months interest. That's it. It cannot be interest rate. And how is interest rate differential? Walk us through that a little bit more. Okay. So I'll give you an example. So say I'm sitting on an interest rate of, let's say, 3.89. And I signed a five-year fixed at 3.89. And I have like three years left in it. Okay. However, the interest rates today, when I'm planning on breaking that mortgage, are much lower. Let's say they're 2.89. I can tell you that that is going to be a sizable interest uh, uh, three um, interest rate differential penalty because the rates are lower. So it means the bank is going to take that 3.89 money and put it back out at a much cheaper rate, which means they're going to charge you that interest rate differential multiplied by how much time you have left on your term. So say I got three years left on a term. That's how you hear of people paying like 15, 20, $25,000 penalties, right? If you ever heard, oh my God, my penalty was so much. That's what that was. They were breaking a mortgage that likely had a lot of time still left on it, on the term. And more importantly, the rates are lower today than what they had. Now, so if the if, rate was higher, so it's a it would bit, just be a three month it interest. Could. It's going to depend on, and that's the whole thing where it's interest rate differential, but it's also based on posted rates and the discount you got. There's a whole, as we all know, the banks have it rigged in their favor. Mm-hmm. So now if I'm sitting at 2.89 and I'm breaking a mortgage, the same scenario, but reverse the rate two years in, I'm going to break my mortgage and the rates at the time are 3.89. 
you have to call the bank to still find out the penalty because there could be, depending on how they do it with the posted rate and everything else and their whole you know magician stuff that the got banks it, do. Because they're saying you got 2.89, but maybe the posted rate at the time yes. you got it was 4.89 and now it's 3.89, so you actually have a penalty. And there's okay, a so discount. That's, that's what I wanted to ask you. That's so, the hocus pocus. <laughs> so, they take, so they take the posted rate from the time you got the mortgage yes. and compare it to... The posted rate at the time and then the, the discount that they've given you off of the posted rate is somehow independent uh, somehow in that calculation based on the new discount they give off the posted rate so they'll take the posted rate at the time and compare it against and, and they'll take the discount into yep. into account but yep. then compare it against the discounted rate today yeah so yeah so they win all the time they, it's it's all they're always able to because the normally you're saying that like you're surprised because <laughs> yeah, i remember the, the, there's the banks that win and then there's the central banks who win more yeah, because well, there was a, there the was a people, time in my career. We're all the people just get screwed. <laughs> well, that's that's and that's our job to figure it out and then let everyone know. But I remember that there was a time in my career when I had started and it was just rates down. So ever since we all we had met, right? I mean, it was just rates were on their way down. And then remember they started. Is that going when back you told up. us rates were going to go up, but we said no, rates are no. Gonna I stay. said my dad said rates. Oh, are gonna okay, go up. okay. Dad, right under <laughs> yeah. the bus. No, no dad's, dad, right dad, under the bus. He's been calling that. He's been calling the 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 top of the market for the last eighteen years, anyway, though. But uh, well, I have a friend who's been calling the top of the market since nineteen ninety. Uh, okay, well, him, him and my dad would get along very, really well. He told me, Tom, don't buy right now. The market has just peaked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been six years since the bottom in like 92. Or I can't remember so, if the bottom so. was 94. Yep. I think the bottom was actually around 96 or something. Yep. But he's like, you know, it's been a couple years since the bottom. Be careful, man. It's about I, to turn. I call them perma bears. That's yeah. what I call them. They're they're perma, permanently bearish. On you know what? You know, we, Nick and I have this thing that we're short term paranoid, but long term optimistic. Yes. So we're always paranoid that that world can cut, like yeah. that your dad could be right at a moment's yeah. notice. But You're if we just go with the right principles with our real estate, we'll survive the paranoia and we'll get yeah. the benefits of the long term optimism 100%. that real estate brings us. But hundred uh, percent. Okay, so I think we covered some of the refinance stuff. There. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, what the best thing I can say to investors is that if you are are looking to get access to capital, the first thing you should be doing is talking to your broker, talking to your bank, um, identifying properties that you believe um, through that 80% rule have the most amount of equity in them. Now, it's very simple to do. You take what you think, if, if you wanted to look at your spreadsheet and you look at each of your homes, right? You take the value of one of the homes multiply the estimated value, what you think it's worth, what you think it would get appraised for, take it on a calculator, multiply it by 80%. Then from that number that's left on the calculator, deduct what you owe on the house, either through your first mortgage, second mortgage, let's say you have a line of credit, whatever is left from there, that number left on the calculator, that is technically what you could get access to. As long right. as you qualify. As long as you qualify. As long as the appraisal, appraisal comes in to similar in. to what. So if you have yeah. a property that you think is worth 500000 mm -hmm. or a million or whatever, let's use a million. If sure. you have a million dollars and you're doing your math, but then the appraisal comes in at 875000 800, yeah. it just chopped off 125000 of equity that you possibly thought you yeah, had access you gotta, to. And all you do on that is you just redo the calculation. I mean, the 80% never changes. So as long as you qualify, you take the estimated value. And then, of course, once your broker or your bank was to send out an appraiser, they're going to come back. Okay. I can say this is the value. I want everyone to listening to know as much as possible. Can the broker choose the appraiser appraiser that goes out? Uh, the good old days, you could, uh, but it was there was every bank or lender would have an approved appraiser list. Nowadays, the banks have gotten a lot smarter. I think just mainly because there was some abuse of that system. Um, and they make you order through a national service. So basically what it is is they'll say the appraisal must be ordered from this service or this service. And that's a service that basically, once you order the appraisal through, they farm it out 
to a group of, in, of appraisers and then one of them will pick up that order. Now, are there ways to still get uh, preferred appraisers to go? Yeah, I believe there is. I believe each bank will say like, you know, out of this region, you can choose from a following, you know, of, of a small amount of appraisers. But um, it's more geared towards the bank having a lot of a lot of control on who is going out. Um, they don't, well, you know, they don't want to go through what they went through years ago. Which yeah, there was, was a lot of funny business going. Absolutely. Well, was, at one point, wasn't at one point, I think Brampton was number one for fraud in Canada. Still, was it, was it CMHC? Still the same. Is yeah. it what is it? What is that? Is it mortgage fraud, mortgage insurance fraud? Like, what is, is it? Both the same? What, uh, what is it? It was for us in particular. It was mortgage fraud. It was uh, so like people, bad paper. Like uh, a lot of these guys were cooking up notice of assessments uh, in the back okay. of their shops and um, so getting what, phony job letters for people and stuff like that. And I guess just so I thought it was all. I thought it might be all overinflating the value, but some of them would have been over overinflating the value and then kind of trying to qualify people for less and oh, all yeah. that. Oh, I'm sh- I mean, I'll be honest. I think that, I mean, we've been in the business for a long time. I mean, I've, we've all heard, you know, like, oh, well, yeah, I've heard a client say to me before, oh, well, um, I know an appraiser that'll give me whatever number I want. And it's like, well, what <laughs> is number one, is that appraiser approved by, yeah, by whatever yeah. bank we're working with? And number two is, um, you know, generally speaking, a couple of years from now, that appraisal company just won't exist. Because the reality is, is if you're giving bad appraisals to the banks, yeah, it's going to come back um, yeah, sooner or later. Well, once the bank says no, who do who can now you appraise for? Who's if if let's say uh, Scotia Bank and TD Bank have cut you off as an appraiser, meaning they've just said we won't accept appraisals from you. So are you now a, are you even an appraisal company? Because or are you just a company that when someone puts in an order, you have to go what bank is it? Oh, okay, good. Oh, it's Scotia. Sorry, we can't do that. You're not even in business anymore. So yeah. then they just fade out and they they're gone, right? So it's kind it's of no been the evolution. We, we had a, uh, some investors we worked with years ago, and they, they, they told us at one point, they're like, oh, we want to talk to your accountant. Like, if you guys say he's good, we want to talk to him. They had a contracting business, and mm-hmm. uh, they were there was revenue. It seemed they were buying property, so there was some, they had some liquid cash, you know, so it seemed like they, they were making profit. And they're like, yeah, well, our accountant, you know, we don't pay any tax right now. So, uh, you know, and we're like, well. <laughs> can I your mean, accountant do better? Yeah. That's what they were like. Like, can your accountant do better than yeah. that? And we're like, and no. we're like, if you're already zero. How to, can like, you I do I want be- refunds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want refunds yeah. for not paying any taxes. Do, like, do they still give those GST, HST <laughs> refunds? Or maybe they wanted those checks, you know, every quarter yeah. or whatever, right? I'll never forget. And then I think they ended up talking to our accountant. And I think our accountant came back and said, "We, I met with these guys that you referred in. They were asking if I could like beat their account, but they're 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 already paying zero tax. Yeah, that's the epitome of greed when you want you yeah. want you want better than yeah. zero. Yeah, but listen, if you are listening to this too and you want a data on mortgage arrears in Canada, it's a bit of a trailing indicator. But if you Google up the Canadian Bankers Association website, CBA.ca, you click on their stats and you can always see the latest mortgage arrears. So in Canada, the percentage of arrears in mortgages in Ontario, I'll start with Ontario, is point zero nine in Canada point two three of mortgages are in arrears and the highest looks like it's actually Saskatchewan I thought it was gonna be Alberta um, Saskatchewan at point eight five so if you're ever thinking about that that's something that we look at as a little it's a weird we look at that as a leading indicator like hey is there trouble on the horizon mm-hmm. the trouble with that data unfortunately is it lags like three to four months all the time yep. so even though now we're what November you won't you know you you're starting to see the summer data so it's not like a real time kind of thing yep. but if you're into mortgage arrears and that's your thing that's a website uh, for you to go check out okay Dave um, on the maximum we're using 80 percent as like the maximum you can get refinanced Correct. I had the craziest situation does this happen ago this is like probably 12 years ago I think I think if I'm I remember right it was on the same student rental property yes. that we talked to where the I got it refinanced but the 
the mortgage company, I think it was a monoline lender. I'm going to ask you to explain what a monoline lender is. They literally said, Tom, we approve you not for like 80% loan to value. We approve you for 85. (laughs) And the reason I think was, and I I didn't know, you know, you that well back then and stuff. I don't think I really figured it out. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, they want me to take a high ratio mortgage because they're going to get this insured. And when they get it insured, they get it off their books. So they look like a healthy mortgage organization. And, and I was happy to take the more sure. higher percent refinance because even after the refinance, that property was cash flow positive for me. Yep. What was ha- Does that ever happen anymore? And what, oh, what do you think? No, it's that, that, what, That's you, gone. what you brought up is gone, but I have a, a different theory as to why possibly. Was it a student rental you said? Yeah, it was, it was a student rental. Yeah, so I think, I think, I think what, they, what they did is by going insured, you got to remember when they go insured, the insured can decide whether or not to do an appraisal or not. So if it's student rental and the bank, oh, they were getting they, an appraisal. They, well, they they don't want they don't want the bank to know it's a, let's say whoever was Got running it. that yeah, yeah, yeah. whoever did it was actually did a good job in a weird way and for, as far as they knew systematically how to do it because the reality is if there was an appraisal done and it was a student rental they back then they would have just turned the deal down but if you send the deal to an insurer and the insurer approves it without an appraisal. Then there's no appraisal done on the property, and they would have never known there were students in there. Yeah, got it. That's got my it. guess. As got to, it. That's my theory. I believe that 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 could have happened. But um, okay, next question for you is um, the commissions because that'll come up when yes. you're. Re- I think a lot of people in Canada don't understand if you're using a mortgage broker to do a refinance. You there's no because I get to ask this all the time. Does anyone pay someone like yourself a commission? No, no, you should never. Um, Especially on commercial using, on commercial mortgages, you pay commissions if you're sure. not using the banks directly. If you're using some mortgage agent somewhere, correct? Yeah, I can I can tell you we don't. I mean, my my team doesn't really do a lot of commercial stuff. Um, I mean, simply because in the mortgage broker world, we don't have access as mortgage brokers to the top banks for commercial. It's really weird. In residential, we have access to A lender banks. We have all these mono lines, and then we have the B lenders and the private lenders. With commercial. Mortgage brokers don't have access to the banks who are the ones that give out the best rates for commercial. We only have access to like the, if you get turned down by the bank, we have these like B type commercial lenders. So it's always, Got it. I've always, and any, the big, the big ones would be something like a first national or something. Oh, like even that. just like for us, we have access to first national, but I mean, we, okay. have, we have zero access to CIBC, RBC, TD, Scotia. We have zero access to the bank, the big bank commercial money. So anyway, so they just don't do it through brokers. They say you have to go internally and deal with one of their specialists. Aren't they even stricter to deal with than some someone like First National? To can't okay. I guess it depends on the. Pro- I know commercial. There's yeah. a lot more. There's just a, more variables, right? Oh, absolutely. But it, First National can be more competitive sometimes in the banks, or not necessarily First certain National. Certain types of some properties. Of them. Yeah, certain, certain types, types of properties, properties okay. you'll find because like that's where they find their bread and butter. Because think about it, the big banks. Like if it's a big like certain level apartment building, like it fits in their in their box, yeah. they'll do it what First National on the commercial side and companies like even Equitable on the commercial side, what they're going to specialize in is stuff that's still good stuff, but that's at the just fringe that the banks won't do. Yeah, so, right? that, so they, they take just under... Yeah. It's no different than like... You know the REITs. The REITs used to play at a certain size for investors, and then as they needed more and more yield, they were looking for more and more properties. They yep. came kind of down in size to a lot 100%. of properties. They would only do like, you know, big square one type, sure, shopping mall type deals before, and then they kind of looked for other things. And then you know the the fringe players that yeah. played on those fringes had to kind of lower theirs too. Kind yeah, of. If you didn't hit there, because I remember like with with the bank stuff with commercial, it's like if it's if it's with certain divisions, if it's not one million, two million, four million, like yeah. they have, they don't even want to look at it. So all of a sudden, someone who comes in with a seven hundred thousand dollar 
fiveplex that they want to do commercially, there's no home for that, right? Like the big bank commercials don't want to do that, and then the small, the the, the other smaller lenders don't want to do that, and so or they can't do it because it's not it's commercial and they can't, so they get it gets caught. I get a lot of those, you know, those store and apartment ones. You know, like if you're driving down Lakeshore. Right. And you yeah, see those yeah. like it's got a store on the bottom and then like two apartments, like yeah. residential apartments. Yeah, those are you tough. Know how hard those are to yeah. finance because it has no home. Ironically. Right. I it's mean, not residential. It's, it's not residential. It's not commercial. It's mixed use. Well, the commercial guys are like, no, nah, we don't want those. And then the residential guys, well, we can't do it because it's got the commercial elements. So then you end up going to like a lot of times we have to do those with like B lenders on the residential side who just go, ah, oh, we'll make an accept. It's a good deal. We'll do it. We like the real estate. But then they might only lend. 60% on it, you at know, what like, rate, at what rate? Oh, it'll be like a B line. It'll be like probably in the fours and fives. You know what I mean? It might even be higher. It might even be in the sixes compared right? to today's to rates, a bank. On, so that's about two to three point premium. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's, there's some, there's some premium there going yeah. to that lender for that. Right. I mean, but the idea is with commercial, I guess if we can wrap that part up is if you're, if you're buying anything commercial, I mean, if you were to call my office and say, Dave, I just bought a commercial building. It's a couple million dollars. As a broker, my first thing that I'm going to say to you is, okay, we need to get you to some big banks right away because that is who is going to have the best product. And I can't do it, but I'm going to give you the contacts and you're going to contact these banks and we're going to get you in touch with them. If those banks won't do it, then I have lenders that I can go to. But as as someone who has your best interest in mind, which is what I'm supposed to be doing, if I don't have access to the best deal on commercial, at least I'm going to walk you there. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that's that's... That's just you have to build that equity in your business and, and in life. Uh, I know a lot of brokers that just say, oh, well, they'll have the person just call some some random person. No, I mean, we have contacts and working with different banks. We've made these contacts. We have some people that we can forward our people to that we know can handle these types of deals. OK, so on a refinance, what other fees am I looking at? There's going to be legal fees still, right? Sometimes. I mean, if we get down to the bottom of it, the real the, the overall fees you're going to have when you're doing a refinance is if you're breaking your mortgage. Yeah, then so there's going to be a penalty. possible penalty. And then there's potential legals or a lot of these banks have these closing services now where instead of a lawyer, they'll promote this closing service where it's like half the cost of a lawyer. But the problem is, is that it's not a lawyer. So it's like a company. You're dealing with five different people. The speed on these things is awful. So when you're looking and you're comparing, you're saying, okay, a lawyer might cost me, I'll just throw a number out there. Let's say $1,200 for a refinance for the lawyer to act for you. And then you've got this other thing, like let's say the Scotia Closing Service, you can choose them. They're only $595. But the lawyer is someone you can call who's going to be, obviously it's in their best interest to close the deal quickly for you because that's how they get paid. The service, because it's run through the bank, I mean, honest to God, it's just really are slow. They, how all, new are these services? I've never heard of them. Pretty new. I mean, mm-hmm. in the last, you know, like, I mean, they've been around. There's companies like FCT and FNF. These are all closing, comp- closing companies that have been there for a while. But the real traction, it seems, that they're getting is through the banks, through these refinances. And volume. And, yeah, it's just a volume play. But I mean, you know, you've got a client who wants to refinance in three, four weeks. Well, I've seen some of these closing services take like up to two and three months to just close a deal, which is absolutely absurd. I mean, a lawyer closed a deal like that in a week, in less than a week. As soon as the lawyer okay, instructed, okay. So I have legal they're, they're fees. It. The appraisal is probably put on to me. Uh, an appraisal should always be covered by your broker or your bank. I mean, if oh, you're working with a broker is not covering it, then you're working with the wrong broker. But at the end of the day, like for refinances, we have a rule with our clients. We say, look, you're basing the value of the home on what you estimated to. I don't know this, so what we we, are, we have a very general rule with our clients on refinance. We say, listen, we will cover the cost of the appraisal, but you have to pay for it first, right? You you cover the cost up front, up front. If the deal closes, we will pay you back. 
that makes the most sense. Because if you think about it from my perspective, if I go start paying for everyone's appraisal on their prospective refinance that they're doing, and they think their house is worth 800, and that's what we need to get the deal to get approved, but then the value comes in at 700, now there's no deal. I'm going to be out three, 400 bucks times quite a few deals a year. And all of a sudden that bill is going to exceed over a hundred thousand dollars for deals that I just wasted appraisals on. Right? So the reality is any good mortgage broker on a refinance should say, Hey, you will cover the cost of the appraisal up front. But if the deal goes through, we will 100% reimburse you the cost of it back. Got so it. Okay, we that's cut how you're checks. Protecting your business. Got Absolutely. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just, and it's, it seems like, I mean, I can't tell you how many people, honest to God, have said, well, my house is worth this or this is worth this. And of course, the appraisal comes in. And I'm not saying that their house isn't worth what it is, but the appraisal you hear that is... that all day long. Yeah, listen, I mean... <laughs> listen, okay, so the fees, again, just to recap, are going to be any mortgage penalties Correct. if you're breaking you know, midterm. Yep. And then you're going to have a possible appraisal fee up front that will yep. be covered, hopefully, for that you. That should be covered and for you if But the legal closes. fees are going to be on you, yep. uh, one of these closing services or legal yep. fees. What other fees? And that's it. That's, so that's, that's the fees and then, of a refinance. And let's be clear that those fees are not coming out of your pocket. You're not showing up to your lawyers with a check or you're that's it's not we are that is going to be coming out of the refinance proceeds. So remember that situation where I said $500,000 property, they owe 200. We're going to go up to 80%, which is 400,000. The whatever their penalty is, whatever the legal costs were, that comes out of the four hundred. So then they'll just get the rest. So you should never be writing oh checks so or anything pay, like that. You pay that back over an amortization schedule. So the lawyers' fees that were twelve hundred bucks, you end up paying at least double back. Anyway, that's a different, <laughs> whole different. That's a whole different discussion. <laughs> if and they want to write, by the way, if you want to write the check, write the check. No, no, but no, I, mean, I get it. And you know what? It's a tax write-off when it's an investment yes, property when absolutely. you're doing interest on that kind of stuff. But okay, so that was the uh, the fees. What about, uh, can you just describe a monoline lender for someone who doesn't know what a monoline lender yeah, is? Yeah, it's just, a, it's just. I guess, I don't even know if you'd call it a fancy name, but a monoline, I just think mono is one. It's a lot of these lenders, someone like, say, Street Capital, um, RFA, um, CMLS, they are lenders, but they, they, it's just, that's all they do. They just lend. They, they have one thing they do, whereas a bank does their lending. Borrowing. So there's no bank branches. Yeah, there's no there's no bank branches. There's no other types of services. All that that lender does is they're just and you get access to them through a broker. Most of them, yeah. Most of them go direct to the broker market, and then the brokers will line them up with. Do the business. monoline lenders offer equity lines? Uh, not many of them, if any. Okay. I mean, it's a very and and here's the thing: the one that the times where you will hear of a monoline lender that is offering some form of a line of credit product it's not going to be exactly like the bank line of credit. There's it, It's some cockamamie, hybrid you know, thing. hybrid setup where the payment structure is different usually. And by the way, it's it, it, you got to remember then now it's a home equity line of credit at a place that generally doesn't have branches. So if you need to go and access the money, it gets a little harder, right? So that's why the line of credit thing is generally made for the banks because they have easy access you know what I mean? To the funds. Yeah, totally. Right? I haven't seen this in a while, but have you seen that thing where if you have an equity line, um, you can borrow against it, mm -hmm. but then the bank gives you the option on the online banking to say, do you want to turn to your- let's, crystallize Yeah, it. well, let, yeah. Let's say you had a $100,000 equity line mm -hmm. and you take out 50000 yes. Then you can almost turn that- 50,000 into a mortgage. Yeah. So you're not paying simple interest. Yeah, you now. hit it with a magic wand and ba-bang, it crystallizes into it, a mortgage. Yeah, so so it becomes basically a second mortgage on yeah, your different property. Different mortgage portion. I, you know, it's funny you bring this up because, I mean, this is actually a conversation I've been having with more and more and more investors and it goes actually back to literally the first minute of us talking, which is, 
when I'm talking to some investors, I'm saying, look, if you don't have the, if you don't need the money now, take it as a line of credit. And then when you do end up using the money from your line of credit, if it's an amount of money that you don't think you're going to be paying back down very quickly, you know that you can just contact the bank and have them crystallize that portion. So say I went and I borrowed 50,000 for my line of credit. Crystallize, I didn't know right? this was I the didn't know that was that's, that's, that's what they call that it. That sounds the, a lot better I'm giving than you guys the mortgage sec- terminology. Second mortgage sounds a lot worse <laughs> crystallize. than crystallize. Um, but you basically, you could take that 50,000 balance and go to the bank and say, hey, look, I'm going to have that balance for a while. I've decided I want to crystallize it into a mortgage. Well, sure, and why would they say no? Because if you qualify, now it's an amortization schedule yeah. and you're paying back double oh, they the love money. It. Yeah. They love it. That's a huge money maker for them. Well, and that's, that's why, you know, a lot of people People, I know, I know, I get, I get drugged through the ringer a bit sometimes because they say Dave Butler's a big Scotia Bank lover, and it's, it's not just that I'm a Scotia Bank lover; it's that I love their Scotia Step product, the Scotia Total Equity Program. You sound like such a commercial. Right? For well, I'm sorry if I do, but <laughs> no, that's it's this is exactly what it allows you to do. Like there are some banks that they don't allow you to do that; they don't and allow I you think to you crystallize. Can even do it online. online. Like it looked absolutely. To me. Yeah, I can. think Nick on one of ours. I think RBC is allowing it. I, I didn't even look. We have a zero balance on that one. So I've never logged in, but I know for the Scotia ones because I have a few mortgages yep. with Scotia. I think they all have, maybe, on them. yeah, maybe not all of them. Yeah. Maybe one doesn't. I forget, but um, but it's nice. Yeah, you just see the increasing line of credit that you need as the mortgage gets paid down. You have access to this much capital, and it's there without having to requalify yes. or anything. We do have that in RBC. I've we just, have that. I've where just it never. Grows lo- with I've just never logged growing. in. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's what Scotia does. The same, yeah. the same way. Yeah. So no, no, as the I'm mortgage is paid the, down, the 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 yeah, Scotia yeah. step limit never changes. So mm-hmm. as the mortgage principal gets paid down, you'll notice your line of credit limit keeps yeah. increasing. And they don't do it every month, but I noticed with Scotia, it was like every three months. Is I just it? noticed, like, oh, all of a sudden, I got but, an extra. No, but I was. Five I wanted limit. more detail on the crystallization process. So, so you all you do is contact your bank. It's very simple. Like it's actually in the right. So when I'm talking about why I like Scotia, it's because they specifically state that in this program, these are all the different the different language that's in it allows you to just contact. You can literally just contact the branch and say, hey, pull up my account. You see my Scotia step product there. You see my balance on my line of credit. I want to turn that into a mortgage. What are the rates? They will then give you the rates, the mortgage rates that are on today. You make pick pick your choose, you know, you, one year, two year, three year, whatever it is. They'll give you different rates. Can you, you negotiate on that, you think? Yeah, I mean, you can. I mean, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I've had clients come back to you. Hey, is this a good rate? I go, yeah, I uh, tell them your broker said, you know, you should be able to get this. And sometimes okay. we'll, we'll see them. I think, on, I don't know if this is the case on Scotia. I think on RBC, I think you can even do this without even calling them. I think you literally select the balance yeah. and say, turn it into another mortgage. That wouldn't surprise me. I actually, I've noticed, I mean, even my, my dad and I were talking about it the other day. I mean, the some of the technology that, that, that we're seeing in terms of the mortgage stuff with some of the big banks, like have you guys, uh, some of your members have even, I've been walking them through their renewal processes with Scotia. Now they're just getting a link to, I guess, through their online banking. They click on the link. Yeah, we had that recently. Them. Who was it with, Nick? One of ours, I just did that with it. Oh, I forget who. No, and it was like, I'm like, what do I do? Like, where's my paper that I oh, said? There was yeah. nothing. Yeah, back, it was like, they're like, no, just go. Oh, yeah. That it was, was a TD. RBC. It was TD? a TD one. Oh, yeah. They're like, log back in. And the rates are And now I've set up the renewal. Yeah. I logged back in and there was a link to just accept the renewal. <laughs> yeah. This is, and, this and this was on this a negotiated year. rate. So we negotiated the rate over email back and ah. forth. And then they're like, okay, you know, we're approving you on that rate. Go back, you know, log out of online banking, yeah. log back in, and there'll be this link there to like accept it. And wow. I logged back in and it was, I accepted the renewal. Yeah, we've, it's, I would say 2019 from what I, I can see is um, the banks definitely on their technology side with regards to mortgages. And my dad, more importantly, like, cause he's a big online 
mortgage like discount kind of rate guy um they're seeing the banks are there is he said there is some big money that's been spent in the last couple of years getting this all going and uh they are well i think they got to streamline that because the money they're going to make as interest rates keep falling yeah there's less I, they're making a good money still but uh, there's less margin there for them like when interest rates are going to go down what are what's a five-year rate right now on invest like uh, Break it up, pro- primary place of residence yeah, and a rental owner, property. owner-occupied, you should be, you know, right now, it depends on monoline letter, big bank, but you should be definitely around like 279, 289, 299. So anywhere in that range, 279 to 299. And then um, for a rental, I'm seeing like, 299 to like i've seen 319 i mean it's okay depends so on the range. bank everybody's all over but the if place we're gonna drop another two percentage points perhaps over the next two years yeah um the banks have such little margin they got to start making money in other ways so i think they're going to streamline a lot of this mortgage business because i have a feeling they're going to come package to you i don't dave i don't know if it was you telling me or nick you telling me how some of the banks are looking at possibly coming and saying okay Mr. Small Business Owner, come to our branch. We'll we'll do the articles of incorporation. We'll set up business bank accounts. We'll give you a business line of credit. And this is how they're going to start making their money and sure. like bundling all these products together. Uh, that so well, it's no different yeah. than the closing services that you just uh, spoke about yep. before, right? The, uh, those add-on services. Well, and let's think about what Scotia introduced uh, just a couple of years ago. A lot of your members are when when we're doing a deal through Scotia. Scotia Bank says that you have to do a quote unquote branch signing. Right. And you know what it is? Yeah, it's you're, a sales you're, you're going to the you're, products. Exactly. You're yeah. going in, you're signing exactly the same paper that you, you signed with the, us. You and can then get the visa card. And they're offering you a, a pre a already pre approved like visa or a line of credit. And then they're offering to sell you insurance and anything else that they can try. So we we can tell that the big, like, I don't, you're in terms of margin, I think you're right. We've always kind of said, I don't think there's a lot of margins in the, the, the mortgages for the banks. What I think they thrive on is the ancillary products. If they can sell you ancillary stuff, oh, that's where I they're I just think of the cold. fees, all these little fees on all our bank accounts everywhere. What does that add up to? Um, oh, I mean, can you imagine if someone actually did that? It's amazing. I guess I, they do it every quarter, and then it's billions of profits. <laughs> yeah, what, just not broken out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they just don't tell you implicitly where it's What from. about if you want to go and refinance, but you have to go to a B lender? First of all, you know, yep. what, is the B, what is a B lender in Canada? And then what are the what are the terms on that? Like, is that possible? Yeah. So I mean, you can definitely reason why would would yeah yeah. The reason you'd go to a B lender is because obviously easy answer is the A lender won't approve you. But why won't the A lender approve you? Like, why wouldn't a bank approve you for a refinance? Well, mortgages is pretty straightforward. I mean, if you think about it, it's credit, income, down payment. Well, when you're refinancing, you already got the equity. So then it's either going to be one of the one of the two others. It's either going to be you're going to have an income issue. Or you have a credit issue. That's why an A lender would decline you and you have to go to a B lender. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, B lenders, uh, ultimately, that's what they thrive on. I mean, they, they, you know, a lot of anyone that's self-employed that doesn't show a lot of income on their taxes, they've likely had to use a B lender in the past. Um, if you went through a rough period where you're, you had, you had some, some, some rough patches on your credit and your credit score wasn't enough for an A lender, then you would have had to use a B lender. Um, so why would someone... Why would someone refinance with a B lender? Well, depends. I mean, yeah, it's more of a numbers analysis, I find. Like, I hate taking clients that are have like an RBC normal mortgage and they want to refinance. And the only money I can get them, let's say, is a refinance through a B lender. I mean, I generally speaking, when I run those numbers, it's just you got to remember, you've got a lender fee now with the B lenders. They're always charging you a one percent fee. So if I go and borrow like two hundred thousand dollars from a B lender right away, I've got a two thousand dollar fee. Then I've got to pay the legals. So, you know, we talked about penalty, legals, you know, an appraisal. Well, when a B lender is involved, you add, add one more thing now, lender fee, 
right? So it's just more cost, more dead money. But you know, why would you refinance with a with a B lender? Well, if it makes sense and there's enough equity to get out of it, you do the numbers. But you know, if it if we're not pulling out a massive amount of money, a lot of times it makes sense for us to attack the issue, which is if you got a credit issue, let's work the next couple months and six months, twelve months, see if we can fix that. So you can go to an A lender. If it's an income issue, let me get you all the income numbers you're going to need to show on your taxes. And you tell me if that's something that you can eventually file. Um, and if the answer is no and they still decide they want to go to a B lender, then, uh, hey, listen, B lenders are great. Uh, they're going to they're give us money when the A lenders won't. And they've been more competitive uh, recently. No? They have. They're, the rates are definitely a lot more competitive. So, I mean, but it's just obviously it's it's a numbers game, right? I mean, if if I have an investor who says, look, I really got to pull out 100 grand. That hundred grand is going to go and make me a fortune, or it's going to go make me this. I'm going to be doing this and this and this with it. Well, then to them, the costs to do this refinance and go to B lender maybe don't mean so much. But if it's just an investor that's like, well, I'm thinking about refinancing and pulling some money out. You know, what should I do? Well, if I can only get you to a B lender, the first thing I'm going to say is, well, you're not committed to taking out any money right now. You're you were thinking about refinancing, so let's let's maybe look and go the other way and start attacking the issues as to how we can maybe get you back with an A lender. But we shouldn't be doing a B lender refinance unless it makes what sense. What about for the cost? If you're renewing, like when you, if your mortgage is up for renewal June 1st, yep. when can you, at that time, you can refinance without a penalty. Correct. Right? But how long, like what's the window there? Do you have to wait? Like how, how what's the process like? Because how do you line it up for June 1st? Yeah, so generally speaking, like you want, you could remember, you can do 120 day rate holds in this, in this world that I'm in as a wholesaler. So I can go and lock in rates for 120 days. So generally speaking, if you've got a renewal coming up, let's just say, May 31st. Well, 120 days before that's going to be like January 31st. So technically I can go lock in an interest rate January 31st. And then now we have four months to see what happens until their renewal date. Right. So a lot of times, let's say if rates all of a sudden go up and I've got this lower rate already locked in for them, then we're going to end up refinancing or moving that mortgage over to the lender that I've got the rate from. Well, what but, if I just want more? Like, what if I just want more money for my current lender? Um, well, with your current lender, you don't have to pay a penalty a lot of times if you're in the right program. So, you know, we were just talking about yeah, like okay, that mortgage. So so, yeah, because imagine you're in like with RBC on their home line plan or TD with the, uh, I can't really what they're call it, in Scotia with their step program. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to pay a penalty. If I'm with Scotia, let's say, and I have a two, that two, that five, we'll use, go back to that example. But what, what if I'm not? What if I just had a regular mortgage? I'm not yep. in the step program. How do I then? It's okay. You're I, okay. They, I can go they'll that, turn you I, into a step. At any time with no penalty? No. You just, the main thing is you have to now qualify yeah. for a step, right? Which, Which is, is harder because you're carrying a larger yeah. sum or whatever. You got to qualify for this, like whatever the 80% is or whatever number it is you're trying to qualify for. But yeah. as long as you qualify for that, what you do is like when we submit those to Scotia, we do those all the time. In our notes, it says submitting for step, which is Scotia Totally Equity Program, keeping first mortgage portion the same, oh, not touching okay. it. We are going to add either a new mortgage portion or a line of credit or both. That's the cool thing about the Scotia step is you can have like three or four components. So I could have like one yeah, mortgage could, portion, two know, mortgage portions. You could put someone on a visa. Yeah, you could yeah. have, a, you have, you have yeah. a visa card. You can have a home equity line, two home equity lines. You can you can call them different things. I mean, there's all kinds of okay. things you can do. But right? then, okay, so then you were talking about if you were switching if you were switching banks. We put the rate. We get it. We yeah. find a rate through you. I'm with Scotia. I'm like, I hate Scotia. Get me away yeah, from Scotia. Get me away. 
So May 31st, so at that time... 120 days, I would go lock in a rate. You lock in a rate, and then what happens when May comes around and we, it's time to move over from my current mortgage to... Where, no penalty, where, because you're now doing it on your on your on The your lawyers open. of the new bank takes care of that? Do I have to get my own lawyer, or the uh, lawyer of the new bank takes care of Depends on what you're doing. So now it's, are you doing a switch, which is you're just taking the mortgage and moving it over, or are you doing a refinance? Because if it's just a switch, then there will be no legals. There's a way for them to do switches where there's no lawyer involved. Okay. It's all behind the scenes, but that's... You're keeping the exact same amortization, the exact same yeah, mortgage, yeah, just totally all that switching stuff. It over. If you're changing the mortgage at all, meaning you're changing the amortization, you're changing the the amount that you're owing, now that's refinancing. New you'll have to on use one of those closing services. And because they got to put a new lien on, pro- new lien on the property for. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, increasing yeah. it because let's say I owe 200, yeah. but now I want to get access to 250. As soon as you're changing any amount, or even again the amortization is something as small as I want to change my payment, that would actually be considered a refinance. The only thing that's a switch is when you're actually keeping everything the same. The only thing that's changing is the interest yeah, rate. Yeah, okay. Right? But that's the you bring up a good point in terms of, you know, when you have a renewal coming up, I always say that's the one time every like five years or whatever term, like the term you took, that's the one time you get power. Like if you really think about it, we're powerless in this five years. Like if we try to do anything, we got to pay a penalty and there's all these things. You should always, always, always with yourself or your mortgage broker, you should always have your renewal dates on every property like handy. But if I switch banks, don't I have to re-qualify? Yeah. Yeah, Okay, but if I stay with the same bank, it's a little easier. So I've always liked just negotiating them on the rate, like threaten that I'm moving banks. But I don't want to go through a re-qualification process. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to switch banks. Meanwhile, I'm like... I don't want to switch banks, so but if, I'm, I'm telling them that I'm going to switch banks just to drop that rate a bit. Oh yeah, that's, that's, I think that's a that's a game that's played quite a bit on renewals. But on, so so that's basically two different things, right? If you are not making any changes to your mortgage, so say I, I got a renewal coming up, and I got no plans on refinancing, I literally nothing. I'm just planning on continuing on. Um, I just want to get the best rate. Well, then your mortgage broker or you could go to other banks and get quotes, but your current lender is going to likely offer you and they should be offering a very attractive rate. Yeah, because they want to retain that business. I mean, I found that anytime you push back just once, you automatically get the best rate. So if they're telling you, you can get like 3.89 and you're like, hey, look. The bank across the street's offering yep. me 2.89. They're like, okay, I yeah, will match 2.89. Right not a problem. Yep. I've never. Um, and it's it's sick. You know how before, I mean, we've actually, I think we even talked about this on one of the podcasts that we did earlier, but, and we were talking about how it was being phased out. And what I was talking about was ages ago when we had started, remember they used to send you the renewal um, renewal offers in the mail and mm-hmm. it would always yeah. be the posted rates. Yeah. And then there was a, what, the last time we did the podcast, I said, oh, I don't see that a lot anymore. That Usually they're they're going now with a better rate. Yeah, you get I an have offer. Seen multiple now multiple posted rates most multiple my clients are sending them to me multiple times i'm seeing 5.19 no yeah swear to god and it's i, I oh and god. by the I'll way it's, you know how much it's I, um, selective it's i cost our, our father so much money because when our parents separated for about 10 years our father had a small mortgage left on the mississauga family home yeah. and i remember getting the the letters from the bank and i always just went with it taking the posted rate yep. because I would have been like 19 at the time. I didn't really know what was going on. And I just, just look at whatever the cheapest one is on there and take it. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, I, still I guess we'll rate. do like one year. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like I just made the worst option. I'm just thinking how much I cost our family because 
I didn't know that you could just go to the branch and negotiate that down. When I found that out, I was stunned because I probably renewed that mortgage. Nick, I probably renewed that thing for like seven, eight well, years. Just taking the posted like a, rate. It was either like six months or a one year mortgage. I think it was taking one year mortgages over short, and over. Yeah. yeah. But so yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't as bad because you probably got more competitive because one year rates typically were a little yeah, bit more say, competitive than five years. At so. least eventually, once we would you would have smartened up, you would have been you would have been able to get out of it at least, right? After yeah, yeah, a year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, the main point I want to make there is that though they are the banks are still it seems like they're still offering high rates on renewals. They're still hoping that you're uneducated well, look, if, or, if you, like or you're just going to sign. Or ten percent take the high posted rate. Like, what does that do to their bottom line? Oh my God! Can you imagine that? I mean, that's and by the way, that's them retaining existing business. Anyone so listening to this, spread the word to all older relatives who yes. might not have a clue. Don't do not accept sign. any posted rate garbage. <laughs> um, what is do? Okay, when I if I refinance and the method I'm using is a home line of credit, like a home yes. equity line. And I have a zero balance. Does that show on my credit report? Yeah, it does. Um, but it'll show as a zero balance. Now, where that and that's all part of when you're working with your brokers you, you, and you're doing all your planning is you have to find out, is this line of credit going to be detrimental to you? Because that's an all other thing. And, and is it detrimental? With there are times balance? when it is. Yeah, there are so times. So if I have 400000 available to me available to me on one credit line, but yeah. a zero balance, they're going to count that as $400,000 as? Depending on the bank. Yeah, so here's the thing. Like, and again, going back to Scotia, Scotia says, if your balance is, we only count a payment based on what your balance is, right? So again, this is one of the reasons why I like to use them, right? Is that other banks, someone like TD, RBC, can't remember if it's CIBC, I believe BMO, they are basing the calcu a calculation, a payment on your limit, which obviously then eats into your purchasing power. So if I'm an investor and I'm thinking I'm going to go buy a bunch of properties, believe it or not, I mean, you really should be meeting with your broker to find out is having a large equity, um, home equity line of credit going to be detrimental for your future in investments? Because I have seen, absolutely seen, and I've been able to, and I've spoken to investors said, listen, you can buy more properties if you were to lower that line of credit, right? Once we get your Scotia properties, we're going to have to eventually go and use TD. We're going to have to use CIBC and BMO and RBC. They base everything off the limit. So, I mean, I've got some clients of yours that have million-dollar limits on their line of credit. Well, we need a heck of a lot of income to offset that, right? So, again, one of the reasons why a broker is going to have favorites is my favorites aren't who that pays us more. I could care less about that. My favorites when I'm thinking about lenders is who's the easiest to use? Who's the ease of transaction? Who's my my number one for ease of transaction, right? Who's got the less rules and is going to allow me to get access to more capital? That's where I'm looking. Nick, you know, I was just thinking as Dave's talking, I was thinking about like, you know, you, you said some of the investors that work with us that you also work with. And we've been working with people for like 12 years now. And I just had a flashback to some properties we were buying at like two hundred and twenty four thousand dollars. And I remember yeah. I remember investors like questioning us, like, are you guys ripping me off with this property? And we're like, the crazy, the, but the crazy but, thing about that is it wasn't that long. Like, no, it I mean, wasn't it, that long. It was but, about 11 but years if ago. Interest but rates, I think, Nick, you just did the math on this. Like if interest rates dropped from then to now, it made like carrying these properties like 30% easier or something like that. I forget the math you used. But if if, if they drop now from 2.7, uh, 2.9, let's say 3, yeah. 3%, and if rates go to 1.5%, I need to do the math in front of me. Does that make the mortgage 50% easier to carry? Or no, that math doesn't carry through like that. No, it wouldn't carry through like that. But it would be significantly less. Because I'm like, where? Be so Because then where are property prices actually headed? Well, like if, if it, rates if go goes, from 3% to 1.5%, where the heck are property prices headed? 
Well, I mean, that's kind of what happened before because we that's were, annoying. Like, that's insane. Well, Ask well, your dad, Dave, and tell him to come on was, the podcast. I was just gonna say, I mean, no, Dave, if, what were we getting rates at before? Was, wasn't it close the to lowest? Two? The lowest we ever got was. Uh, do you remember the prime minus point nine days yeah. when, when prime, prime was two point nine five? So it was one point three. Yeah, we had rates. a mortgage. Yes. one point three five percent. Yeah, but that's I what, will never forget yeah, that's that. That's what I'm saying. So the rates were there. But so here's here's the number that I looked up: two thousand nine versus two thousand nineteen. I so I just I typed in a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage yep. um and I, you know i don't have the rates on this slide but anyways i took the posted rate in 2009 the posted rate in 2019 yep. based 2009 on the posted rate was probably almost five percent it was it was somewhere in that range yeah. and then today's whatever it was right so the same mortgage at two um from 500 uh, uh, sorry the same payment at 3349 right so 3350 basically 3300 bucks it carried a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage in 2009 the posted rate the exact same payment was seven hundred twenty-four thousand dollar mortgage in two thousand nineteen? So yeah, fifty yeah. percent. Yeah. Pretty much a fifty. Not. I wonder just what, what interest rates you use. I wonder because I'm thinking posted might have been even like seven percent if the actual rates were five. Yeah, because yeah, well, I guess no, it wasn't seven. No. So it wasn't seven. five on that. It was five and change, I believe, because it was uh, it was as it, it, the okay. number I used was as the rates were falling down because yeah. that's when they were started falling down heavily. So it was in the middle of that fall. No, but like so, so then fall. with this thinking, are we going to? Our property price is about to go up another fifty percent well, from here. Uh, maybe not because some of the rates that we talked about were at the one point quarter, you know, one and a quarter percent. So a lot of that's been priced. Some of that, yeah, could potentially okay, be that's priced fair. In, be that's priced fair. into the market prime already. Prime minus right? point nine five. Well, so, so yeah, that, yeah. and that caused a big jump. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah totally. All, yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about the here's what here's here's where I would think that the prices would go bananas is if the rates dropped that low and there was no stress test. Remember, the stress test is like yeah. that thing that's holding everything you know what, right now. For like, anyone listening to this, like, I'd I I rather want... this slow and steady progress yeah. than like oh, what, God, what we yeah. had in 2017 was the worst. Rocket and that's ship. that's the last yeah. thing you want. As soon as you see that, you're like, oh man, this is things can't things can't go up 20 percent in three months. You know what I mean? That's not healthy market. It right? literally was crazy. I mean that that was in my whole career so far. I've never seen anything like 2017. That was just like a rocket. That if, was and, nuts. If, on, if anyone's new go. who's listening to us right now, you have to understand we don't think it's good that property prices jump up so quick to no. next point. We don't even think that this might continue. We think it might continue for all the wrong reasons. Absolutely. And what I mean by that is like that, the, that you know, the central banks have to dr uh, drop rates to just kind of keep things chugging along, which will push property prices up artificially. We're not agreeing with this by any means. We're no. just here trying to understand it to see if we can take advantage of it for ourselves. Absolutely. Well, but, and it's but you have to play storm. this game smart because, yeah. uh, Dave, you know how the real estate market could change. Nick and I definitely know with mm -hmm. our family's history. So if you're listening to this, please don't think we're just like rah rahing the real estate market. We're just trying to think just as we did 12 years ago when, when Nick and I were sitting here thinking, everyone's telling us the rates are going to go up. We actually don't think they're going to go up. Yeah. And uh, we're just trying to have that same thought as a brainstorm session. I think if you're, I think if you're very highly bullish on the housing market in Canada right now, you, 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 you should do so with quite a bit of caution. That's all. It doesn't mean totally. you can't make some good money yeah. in this, but I mean, short term this, paranoid, yeah. long term optimistic, Absolutely. short term paranoid. <laughs> Don't forget you that. You have to be like that. Dave, um, what's considered good credit right now? Oh, 680. Yeah, I mean the general number is six eighty or higher on the that gets Equifax. you access to all the A line, yeah, uh, uh, yeah A lender the, stuff. Okay. Yeah, there's there is a there's a a, a category for like six hundred to like six seventy nine where 
Um, they'll allow they might they would still look at like an A lender would still look to approve you, but they're going to limit your uh, amount of uh, income that you're spending on the home. So they kind of cut back on your what they call debt service ratios. But if you're 680 or higher, there's really no limits. Like you're you, okay. someone with a 681 or a 700 credit score is going to get the same stuff that someone. So with if an you're looking to refinance score. and you want to know if you have good credit, 680 or higher, 680 or is higher where is you're at. a good number. Uh, Nick, I don't know if you had anything else about uh, refinancing, but Dave, were you going to talk about uh, anything coming up with Butler mortgages oh. <laughs> and stuff? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll be really quick because it's still in development, but um, a lot of just, and to be quite honest, it's more, I think, to favor your members because Butler Mortgage, as a lot of people know, is a family business. Remember, people, not everybody listening to this is a member. So just if you hear Dave True. talk about members all the time, that's Rockstar Inner Circle members. And there is a big, awesome group of Rockstar Inner Circle members who work with us. Um but yeah, this is going to be great for them. It sounds like uh, it's Dave, it better, it better overall, be, or Nick's going to attack you right well, now in, that's, in, in, in that's my office. I worry about um, at the at the end of the day, Butler Mortgage is comprised of two teams: my dad, my brother's team, and then my team. And as as most and anyone that does know my team knows, we're pretty much specialized in working with investors and and real estate agents that you guys work with. Um, so we we a lot of times people will try to contact us through our Butler Mortgage website and that goes to my dad, my brother's side. And then there's a whole administrative flow of information that then needs to go to get it to my office. So we've been deciding. So what, so what you're saying is you haven't had a website for 12 years. I haven't had a website. We haven't even mined our database for 10 years. That's how busy you guys have kept us. So, I mean, that's that's a good thing. But we finally got some time to uh, kind of just segregate our name a bit. So we've kind of started out this new uh, brand. We call it the Premium Service brand of Butler Mortgage, which is uh, BM Select, which is just Butler Mortgage Select. Nothing fancy, uh, still keeping the Butler name, but just we're just kind of branding ourselves a little differently. We'll have our own website up. We'll be getting, I'll be sending out, um, the big thing next year is we'll probably be uh, just sending out videos to our database. I know those those kind of cheesy emails that you know you might get from your mortgage broker sometimes even as you guys know realtors where it's the same you know company dude, I you just you, dude, pay. I thought you were gonna say our cheesy no cheesy I love your guys gonna, stuff yeah. no I got <laughs> I got I got my ideas from you guys I just steal <laughs> your guys's ideas because they're so good but um no I obviously I think you know the, the the medium to be used today is video and uh quick little 30 second videos and I think it'd be nice for me to when I'm getting information in terms of bank Canada rate changes and whatnot and or anything that's going on in the business to be able to quickly get that out to to our members and our investors and our clients uh, is really important. So I mean, it's stuff that I've been lacking on doing just because we've been so busy, but um, we're finally doing it. So we'll have a kind of a little mini, like a little mini launch of this. You'll see some stuff probably January, February on it, but nothing's changed. It's just Dan and I uh, doing, you know, kind of giving ourselves our own little name. So it's easier for clients to get in touch with us. So Awesome, man. So uh, I was going to make a joke. I was going to say, and, uh, you know, Rockstar is having a new office opening up in December and stuff. And I'm like, I can't <laughs> wait to see what kind of contribution you guys are like. What amazing espresso machine. I don't we, even know if we're uh, uh, we allowed to talk already. this way. So, we, yeah, we, yeah, we don't want anything. Already. For the record, we don't want anything from anyone. <laughs> a basket with two mugs and some chocolates from Costco. Tom and Nick. It'll just say Tom and Nick. And then it'll be some cheesy thing about the new office. Or yeah, we're figuring we have, something we have out. a couple meeting rooms that we, I think we have some pretty cool names for. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll save all that. Kind Are you guys of putting a, a sneak peek of the what you guys showed me? Do it this, I think this. on Instagram, uh, Alex on our team will put some stuff. We haven't put too much stuff of the new office, just some pictures here and there. But a video today or tomorrow is on our Instagram. Well, I'll story. throw it out. That that video is really cool. Everything looks like it's going very well. It looks like you guys are spending was, a lot of money, which is great. 
means we're, yeah, I like we're doing it. This, dude, I like how both of us are quiet and you're laughing. <laughs> means you're doing this podcast for longer. Dude, that's what that means. Listen, listen, if you come to the office or you and Dan come to the office and someone spills some coffee uh, somewhere, I'm I just there. want you guys to know you have to clean up your own mess. Okay. Because Nick and I feel like this is our home. See, unlike other offices we've been in, it's yeah. we felt like it's our home. But because we're we are paying for every single yes. little thing in this one, it's well, like there's an admission fee. You dent it, you say, bought no it. Running from this now, yeah. There's no running from this now, right? No, you know, apparently I mean, in the middle of the night, I could just leave my lease. But you guys are stuck. Wow, it's so funny you're saying this. We had this conversation yesterday. Nick and I were like, man, remember we used to have the discussions like we can just close up and move to Croatia anytime we want because we have like voice over IP phone systems. Yeah. We have a lease that's pretty flexible. Now we like bought an office. So putting st- yeah, yeah. We're like look at him laugh <laughs> anyway thanks for sharing all this information man no uh, really appreciate it so right now stay tuned for the website and all that yeah, stuff yeah we'll, we'll have all that it. stuff we'll coming out in january yeah. february all right cool thanks dave hey everyone so hopefully you enjoyed that and if you are listening to this and you want information like this but from a from youtube you can get to our youtube channel by going to youtube.com forward slash rockstar inner circle that's youtube.com forward slash rockstar inner circle hit the magical subscribe button and you will get access to all our videos i think that's it for now until next time your life your terms